All right, Luke chapter 24. I'm going to read to you verses 44 through 49. Now here in Luke chapter 24, this is the last chapter of Luke. And we looked at uh, part of this chapter, the first part of this chapter last week. When Jesus was walking with the disciples on the road to Emmaus. And remember they're walking, talking about everything that had happened in Jerusalem. And they did not realize that Jesus was alive. They knew the tomb was empty, but they didn't know what had happened to Jesus. And it was obvious through that discourse, through that conversation, that they did not believe Jesus was alive. But Jesus reveals himself to these disciples So he revealed himself bodily to his disciples after his resurrection. And remember in this this time when they're walking with Jesus, the Bible says that their eyes were restrained. They were talking to him, they were looking at him, but they didn't recognize him as Jesus. And that's not because Jesus looked different. That's because they were not allowed to recognize him. You say, well, how is that possible? Well, that's very possible. That's what happens. That's what's happening all over our world. That's what happened when Jesus walked the earth. And the people who knew the scriptures most, who taught the scriptures, who were the the scripture masters, they knew everything about the scripture. They encountered Jesus, looked at Jesus, talked to Jesus, argued with Jesus, questioned Jesus tempted Jesus, could see him right there face to face, but they did not recognize Jesus. And we know that they could not recognize him because Jesus did not reveal himself to them in that way. So there's there's one way that we can see, right? We all see each other. We can see each other face to face. We can see things naturally But that does not mean that we see things for what they truly are. This is like looking at the creation and wondering how it all just happened. How it all just coincidentally, how it all just evolved into this wonderful, beautiful thing. Isn't that amazing? Evolution, isn't it amazing? No, it's not. It's a a fairy tale. There's no such thing as evolution. Not in the sense that that the world wants you to believe that there was nothing and then it became all of this. Or from one cosmic lump of whatever, all of this diversity of life came. No. Just like your car didn't happen by accident, this building didn't happen by accident, this Bible didn't get printed by accident, much less inspired and recorded by accident, we look around us and we see things that are created and made and we don't wonder how that evolved. We say, I wonder who built that. I wonder who made that. I wonder who wrote that. I wonder who painted that beautiful picture. Well, how do you know the picture got painted? Well, look at it. It's beautiful. How, how, we know somebody painted it. Look at that tapestry hanging on the wall there. I mean, isn't that amazing? It just happened. It just evolved. No, somebody sewed that. Look at the world. Somebody created it. God did. God created it. And this God who created the world is the God talking to these disciples. And they didn't have eyes to see him until he allowed their 
blindness, their blind eyes to be opened. And then they saw Jesus. And it says that Jesus expounded to them throughout all the scriptures, all things concerning himself. So he revealed himself to them, but he also revealed himself through the scripture. He didn't just reveal himself physically, he revealed himself spiritually. In other words, when he took them through the scriptures, he was revealing himself through the word of God. And that's really why we have the Bible. We have the Bible so that we can see Jesus. Not physically, not with our physical eyes, but with our spiritual eyes. The eyes of faith. There were lots of things that those disciples did not understand, including his suffering and his death on the cross. And they, as, as he's walking with those two on the road to Emmaus, they didn't even understand the resurrection, even though the tomb was empty. He gave commandments to his disciples, preparing them for the task of preaching the gospel and making disciples. He expounded to them through all the scriptures, all things concerning himself. He opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. In his resurrection, Jesus continued to teach and proclaim the kingdom of God. When we go to the gospels, we see at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry on earth, he begins by preaching the kingdom And we see now here as he's getting ready to ascend to the Father, he is still speaking of and talking about the kingdom of God. The things Jesus commanded and taught his disciples before and after his resurrection apply just as forcefully to us today. His commandments and his teachings are for his church for all of his disciples, for all the generations, until he returns bodily to this earth, just as he ascended from it. That's how he's going to return, bodily. He ascended bodily in the presence of his disciples. One day he is going to return to this earth bodily. Now the question is, what do we do until then? That's what we're going to talk about Today, this is what Jesus is instructing his disciples about as he is in that period of time between his resurrection and his ascension. Luke tells us in Acts chapter 1 verse 3 that Jesus appeared. Jesus was with his disciples during those 40 days. Now, we don't know if Jesus was there every day for 40 days, or if Jesus was coming and going. But throughout that, during that 40 days, Jesus was speaking to his disciples, teaching them about the kingdom of God, giving them commandments, and showing them, teaching them what they were to do after his ascension. All right, Luke chapter 24, verse 44 Then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. 
Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Father, we ask that you would open our hearts and our minds today. Reveal your word to us. Illuminate it by your spirit. Teach us and grow us that we would be a people to give witness to your glory in this earth. In Jesus' name, amen. So here Jesus is in Luke's gospel, this last, the last verses of this, this gospel pictures Jesus with his disciples before his ascension. Now Luke is the same author of the book of Acts. So the book of Acts is in fact a continuation of the gospel of Luke. And when you go to Acts and you see the introduction there, He's writing to his friend Theopolis, and he's writing this account of Jesus' life, the works of Jesus. And he says in Acts, uh, all the way up to his ascension, when he was taken from his disciples. But then the Acts, the book of Acts, continues, and it records for us the Acts of the Apostles. So Luke's gospel records the Acts of Jesus, and the Acts of the Apostles is that continuation of the work of Jesus through his church, through his apostles. So we are post-resurrection, but we're pre-ascension. So we're in, in between the resurrection and the ascension. And in that in-between period of 40 days, Jesus is instructing his disciples. He's instructing the apostles, those 120 who end up in the upper room on the day of Pentecost, who are filled with the Spirit. These are the people Jesus is speaking to, teaching, spending time with, preparing for his departure so that they can carry on the work of preaching the gospel and expanding the kingdom of God. So in these verses that I just read to you, we see Jesus speaking to his disciples. Jesus speaks today. Now, we're not talking face-to-face, person-to-person with Jesus. How does Jesus speak to us today? He speaks to us by the Holy Spirit through the Scripture. But make no mistake about it, Jesus is still speaking today. He is speaking by His Spirit through the Scripture. If you ever want to hear God speak to you, just open the Bible and begin reading out loud, and you will hear God speaking to you. You don't have to have a dream. You don't have to have a vision. You don't have to go in some, to some meditative state of, of altered consciousness to hear a word from God. You just very simply need to open up your Bible and read it, and you have a word from God. And however God impresses upon you, and God can do that. God can impress things upon us. God can move on us by his spirit, but he's never going to impress upon us. He's never going to move on us in a way that's ever going to be contrary to his Bible, to his word, to his scripture. The Bible will lead us and guide us and show us what is true and what is not. And that's why it's important not to just depend on impressions or feelings because those will deceive you. You need to learn the Bible. You need to read the Bible. You need to hide it in your heart. This is how Jesus speaks to us today. Jesus opens our understanding today so that we can comprehend the Scripture. This is why he gave us the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our teacher. 
He's the spirit of truth. He leads us and guides us into all truth. He brings to remembrance all things that Jesus said and did. Now, how, you weren't there when Jesus said and did those things. So how are you going to know what Jesus said and did? Well, you're going to read your Bible. You're going to read it. You're going to read all that's recorded in the scripture of everything Jesus said and did. Not just in the New Testament, but in the Old Testament. You can go to Genesis and read where Jesus said, let there be light and there was light. You can go to the prophets. You can go and see where, where Jesus appears. The, the angel of the Lord appears to Abraham. So you can go to your Bible and you can read about all the things Jesus said and did. And as you hide that word in your heart, the Holy Spirit will bring those things to your remembrance. He will open your understanding so that you can comprehend the scriptures. And he'll do that as on a need-to-know basis. You ever notice that? He doesn't tell us everything we want to know. He tells us what we need to know. He doesn't give us understanding about everything we want to understand. He gives us understanding about everything we need to understand. Sometimes we get frustrated because we don't understand everything we want to understand when we want to understand it. And this is why patience is one of the characteristics that's listed as a fruit of the Spirit. And very often you'll hear God impress this upon you. Be patient. Don't you hate it when God says that? Be patient. Well, don't hate it. Just be patient. Don't despise it. Just learn to be patient. Because as you need to comprehend what God has revealed, he will give you that comprehension. So be patient. And if you don't have the full understanding of everything that's happening, then you obviously don't need the full understanding yet. But be assured that when you need that full understanding, God will give it to you. So God is still, Jesus is still opening our understanding today. Jesus commands us today. He's not here in person commanding us. He is here through his word, by his spirit commanding us. He commands us to go preaching the kingdom, to make disciples. Jesus is still all about the kingdom. He started preaching the kingdom. He ascended Speaking of the kingdom, he is still all about the kingdom today. In fact, he taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So Jesus commands us, and one of the greatest commandments, one of the greatest points of obedience for all of us as followers of Jesus, as disciples of Jesus, is to be busy about the business of his kingdom preaching the gospel, making disciples. So Jesus commands us today, and his commands are just as real and just as relevant for us today. Jesus fills us today. He tells his disciples in verse 49, he says, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. He says, I'm ascending to the Father, but you go wait in Jerusalem until the promise of the Father comes. We go to the book of Acts and we can see that, the beginning of that account of those disciples waiting for those 10 days after the ascension of Jesus until the fullness of the day of Pentecost comes. Jesus still is filling us today. The Holy Spirit still fills us today with power from on high. 
We don't need it less today. We need it as much today as ever before. And it is just as available today as it was in that day, even in the day when it was poured out on the day of Pentecost. So Jesus is still speaking today by the Holy Spirit through the Scripture. God is not silent today. Jesus is speaking to us. I pray and I ask that you would avail yourself to hear his voice. Open his word and hear the voice of the Lord speaking to you. He has given us his word, the Holy Scriptures. The word we need from God today is the word he has given to us through his prophets and through his apostles. His written word proclaims to us the word that was made flesh and dwelt among us. And now dwells in us through the Holy Spirit. By grace through faith in Jesus Christ. The Spirit dwells in us. That means Christ dwells in us. The living word is living in you. If you are a born again child of God. And that word in you. The Spirit in you is speaking to you. And the way you will know his voice is to know his word. The way you will understand is to read his word, to study his word. You can't understand him. You can't know him apart from that. God has given us his word and he has given us the Lord Jesus. He has given to us his word, both living and powerful. He still speaks to us today through his word, but you can only hear him and you can only be his disciple if you abide in his word. That's what Jesus said. If, you, if, if my word abides in you, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, you are my disciples. Jesus has to abide in us. His word has to abide in us. Not just information from a book. Not just memorizing verses. But the living word. Sharper and more powerful than a two-edged sword. That word must live inside of us. And he lives in us by the Holy Spirit. And he speaks to us today still by the Holy Spirit through his scriptures. He still opens our understanding today. He opens the understanding of our hearts. He opens the eyes of our understanding. This is what Paul prays in the first chapter of Ephesians when he says, I pray that the eyes of your understanding would be opened. That was his prayer for the church. It is a prayer the church still needs today. Jesus still opens the understanding of his disciples to comprehend the scriptures. In fact, until Jesus opens our understanding, we cannot comprehend the scripture. You cannot know Jesus apart from his word. Luke 24, 27, and beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And right here we just read in verses 44 and 45. Then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. 
Very often people tell me, I, I tried reading the Bible, but I just don't understand it, so I don't read it anymore. That's not the way you're going to understand. That's not the way you're going to hide God's word in your heart. That's not the way you're going to come to know Jesus. You keep reading. You keep reading. You keep reading. Well, I don't really understand. Keep reading. Well, I don't understand. Keep reading. Because it's, what's most important is not what you're getting out of the word. It's what the word is putting in you. And if you put the word in you, God knows when he will draw that word out of you. God knows when the eyes of your understanding will suddenly become open and you will understand that scripture. But if you don't put the scripture in you, if you don't read the word, if you don't meditate on the word, if you don't study the word, if the word's not in you, there's not going to be anything there to comprehend. Jesus does not open our understanding and suddenly we understand all of the Bible. That's not how it works. Our comprehending the scripture begins with Jesus opening our understanding. And from that point, it is a progressive work of the spirit. But not apart from our diligence to read and to study his word. So your ability to comprehend the scripture, your ability to see and to know Jesus is tied proportionally to your diligence in the Word, your commitment to read the Word. Comprehending the Word of God is like farming. You have to be diligent to plant the seed before you can have a crop. It would be ridiculous for a farmer to be frustrated and angry and upset and and, and stressed out and depressed. And you say, what's wrong with you, farmer? Well, I, I'm, I'm just so upset because I don't have a crop. Well, when did you plant your seed? Well, I didn't plant any seed. I'm just believing God for a crop. You can't have a crop if you don't plant any seed. But yet there are people everywhere who want to know God, who want to hear a word from God, but they won't open their Bible and read their Bible. And then they get frustrated because they don't know God. You have to be diligent to plant the seed before you can have a crop. God makes it grow. Do you know the farmer doesn't make the seed grow? God makes the seed grow. The farmer just plants it. It's the same with the word. God makes it grow, but there must be something planted in the ground of our heart before it can grow. Just like farming or gardening, there are plenty of undesirable seeds blown in by the wind. Have you ever noticed? You can clean a plot of ground. It looks just like fresh plowed black dirt. Nothing just looks like all dirt. But if you just leave that there and you don't do anything with it, you're going to see all kinds of things sprout because there's all kinds of seeds there. There's seeds that the wind blows in. The birds drop in. There's just seeds there in the ground. That's the way sin, sin is just in us. And if we don't plant the good seed of God's word in our heart and begin to cultivate that, the, the weeds of sin will just take root in our heart. If you don't plant God's word in your heart, if you don't cultivate it and tend to it, you'll find your heart consumed by weeds and thorns and thistles. A distracted heart. Be diligent to plant God's word in your heart. Be diligent 
and be faithful and trust him to open your understanding. Trust him to progressively give you the comprehension you need according to his time and according to his season. You know, this is one of the reasons we have seasons. The very seasons that we live in. It's springtime right now. Everybody's planting gardens. And we live in an area of the world where you can just about garden year-round. If you do it right. But there's other parts of the world where it's not like that. And if you notice, even though you can garden year-round, there are certain things that only bear fruit in season. For instance, peaches. You're not going to get peaches in December. You're going to get peaches in the summertime. Your peach tree's living in December. It's growing in December. But it's not going to bear fruit until it's season. God is teaching us something even through the creation. And so when God gives us comprehension, he, he does that in his season. He knows when the season is right for you to understand and to comprehend certain things. We need to be patient like the farmer, knowing the season will come, the season of fruitfulness. So Jesus is still opening our understanding today, giving us comprehension of the Scripture. He's still commanding us today. Jesus said, in fact, in John 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. Here in Luke chapter 24, Jesus is commanding his disciples, preparing them for his departure to the Father and he's commanding them concerning the scripture. He's commanding them concerning the kingdom. He's commanding them, showing them that they're going to have to get the word in them so that it can be illuminated by the spirit. He's showing them that they're going to have to wait to be endued with power from on high, that they can't just go out powerless. They have to have power, power to obey, power to do his will. So Jesus is commanding his disciples and he is commanding us today. One of the last commandments Jesus gave to his church was to go preaching the kingdom and make disciples. The great commission Jesus commanded is still being carried out by his church today or it's supposed to be. You do realize that, right? And just as crops do not plant themselves, disciples do not make themselves. God has chosen to work through man to spread the message of salvation and to make disciples. We are called to obey his command to make disciples. You have to be a disciple in order to make a disciple. Now, remember, if we're using farming as an analogy, there are some farmers that are very skilled and very proficient at what they do. But I'm going to tell you what. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to go and plant a seed in the ground and see something bear fruit. You, it, what I'm trying to say is you don't have to be a theologian or a Bible scholar to make disciples. Anyone can plant a seed. These children here, 
can plant seeds and see things grow. We very often make excuses and we say, well, I don't know the Bible well enough or I'm, I'm not confident enough or I'm not this enough or I'm not that enough or, well, you know, I'm this or I'm that or I'm not this or I'm not that. Those are just excuses because the reality is anyone can plant a seed. It doesn't matter how young you are. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how much you know about farming or if you know anything about farming. Anyone can plant a seed. And making a disciple can be as simple as planting a seed. That's the beginning of a process. It's not the end of the process, but it's a beginning. So we are all commanded by Jesus to make disciples, to be disciples. Because disciples don't make, don't make themselves. Many Christians today are looking and waiting for a way out instead of an avenue to go to work. Jesus told his disciples when he met the woman at the well of Samaria, the woman of Samaria, when he was with her at the well, remember he talks to her and she goes back to the village. She brings the whole village out. Then his disciples come back and they're like, what were you doing talking to that woman? And, and all of a sudden Jesus looks out and what's implied to us there is all these people from the village are coming. And Jesus says to them, they've gone to get lunch. Are you hungry? He says, no, I'm not hungry. I got, I got the food from my father. They, they didn't know what he was talking about. And he says, lift up your eyes and behold, the, wheel, the, the fields are white with harvest. And he was talking about the people. And the fields today are still white with harvest. There is a world full of people who need Jesus. There is a world full of people who need to hear the gospel, who need to become disciples of Jesus. It's not our place to save them because we're not the saviors. We're just the messengers. We're just the farmers planting seed. We're the people tending the ground. But we don't make it grow. We can't do that. We don't have the power to do that. We're not the saviors. We are the messengers. And Jesus said, pray this. Pray that the Lord would send laborers into the harvest. We don't need to pray for a harvest. We need to pray for laborers to go into the harvest. The harvest is here. God takes care of the harvest. God makes sure that the harvest never goes away. Sometimes you hear people say things, you know, the harvest is almost ready. No, the harvest is already ready. The problem is we don't have enough laborers. And this is what Jesus is doing with his disciples. He is commanding them to be the laborers that are going to go out into the harvest and make disciples. And then... In making those disciples, what are we doing? We're raising up other laborers. And those laborers are then going to go out into the harvest and bring in more and make more disciples. And then they're going to go out. And so this is how we've come to be 2,000 years on the other side of the cross and the resurrection. And we're still preaching and teaching about Jesus. And we're still talking about making disciples. Because that process will never end 
until Jesus returns, until he comes again. Now, there are a lot of Christians who are looking for and waiting for God's escape plan. But there is not an escape plan. Listen to me, church. I know some people would call me a heretic for saying this, and that's okay. But I'm going to tell you what, there is no escape plan that God has. There is the command to go, not to escape, but to go. And to preach the gospel and to make disciples of all the nations. For how long? Until Jesus returns. Until Jesus returns to reign on this earth. The long march through his story, which we call history, is still taking place. God has not called us to escape this earth, but to occupy it until he returns to it. This is so important. All of this COVID-19, all this pandemic, there's people who really believe this is the beginning of the end of the world. Who believe that the great tribulation is just around the corner and the rapture is fixing to happen. The command to make disciples has not stopped. It has not ceased. Jesus didn't say make, make disciples until it's almost rapture time and then get ready to escape. He never said that. He just said, go therefore into all the earth, into all the world, and make disciples of the nations. How many nations still need to be discipled today? A lot. You're living in one of them right now. The nation you should be most concerned about getting discipled is the one you live in. Just like the town you should be most concerned about hearing the gospel is the one you live in. Just like the family you should be most concerned about discipling is the one that's yours. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the way that Jesus kind of set it up this way. He said, go and preach the gospel, beginning where? In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the other parts of the earth. This is our Jerusalem. Let's start right here. There's a nation, a whole nation of people that need to be discipled. Jesus has not told us to stop doing that yet. We're 2,000 years on the other side of Calvary's cross. Our work is ongoing, and the work, that work is to continue until Jesus sets his glorious feet back on this earth. And when that happens, you'll know it. You, you won't have to wonder whether you've missed it or not. That, when that happens, you're going to know. Let me read you a quote from Dr. G.E. Ladd. He says, we have now survived all the references in the New Testament where the Spirit exhorts us to watch. Nowhere are we told to watch for a secret any moment coming of Christ to rapture the church. The commands to watch mean to be spiritually awake, to be ready to meet the Lord whenever he comes. Boy, I'm telling you, if there's a time we need to be spiritually awake, it is today. I continue with his quote. This entire argument that the, that the exhortations to watch require an any moment coming of Christ is based on a misunderstanding. 
The true meaning of the command to watch is not to watch for Christ's return. Scripture does not use this language. Nowhere are we told to watch for the coming of Christ. We are exhorted rather in view of the uncertainty of the time of the end to watch. Watching does not mean looking for the event. It means spiritual and moral wakefulness, end quote. If Christ returns tonight, or if Christ returns 10,000 years, we will have obeyed this moral command of wakefulness if we are ready when he returns. To watch, to pray, is to be ready. We're called to be ready. It's time for God's people to buckle down and to prepare hearts and hands for the work that is before us. It's the very simple but the very hard work of discipleship. It is the work of patiently walking with one another, bearing with one another, encouraging one another, and loving one another. This is the work of the kingdom. The work of making all things ready for our king. Not because we are leaving. Do you hear me? Not because we're leaving. But because he's returning. The work is to be done. Not because we're leaving. But because he is coming back. You used to look at all the parables. And this is what Jesus taught his disciples. The master goes away. And he's gone for a long time. And what do his servants do? They think oh, he must have died in an accident. And they all get drunk and they all slack off and they all use up his talents and they all use up his resources. And then one day he returns and they're not looking. They're not watching for his return. In other words, they're not ready for his return. You can be watching for the return of the Lord and not be ready. Jesus could care less whether you're watching when he returns. The question is, are you going to be ready when he returns? The question is, when the Son of Man returns to the earth, will he find faith on the earth? Will he find faith when he comes back? That's the question. In other words, are you going to be ready when he returns? Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. And if you have faith, I think, you're not going to be looking for an escape plan. I think you're going to be looking to be busy about the business of his kingdom because he is coming. He is returning. There is no doubt about that. So Jesus commands us to be ready and to make us ready, to help us be ready. He fills us. Just like he told those disciples, go and wait in Jerusalem for the to be endued with power from on high. The promise of the Father is coming. Wait for it. Jesus is still filling us today. Jesus spoke to his disciples concerning the promise of the Father. He told them, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But wait in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. If you have the right tools, the job is a whole lot easier. I just finished building a deck, and I had this, I had, uh, I had this little uh, chop saw. 
I know you use that, and I need to apologize to you because that blade is so dull, it wouldn't cut hot butter. <laughs> it was dull, wasn't it? It was a dull blade. And I'm using that thing, and I'm like, I'm, I'm smelling wood burning. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this blade is dull. And you know how hard it was cutting those boards with a dull blade? I mean, it would cut them. But then one day, I saw Caleb pulling a, that, uh, another chop saw we have out to the container. I said, hey, there's, there's the other saw. I went and got the other saw, set it up, and, man, it was like night and day. I mean, when you have the right tools, it makes a difference. When you have the right power, it makes a difference. Now, you can use a shovel. If you need to dig a really big hole, you can use a shovel. Or you can use Mr. Al's backhoe. It's a lot quicker and a lot easier to dig that deep hole, that big hole with Mr. Al's backhoe, than it is with my shovel. If you have the right tools and you got the right power, it makes the job a lot easier. There's a reason Jesus told his disciples to go and wait to be endued with power from on high. Because to go out and try to preach the gospel and make disciples in our own power, in our own might, in our own ability is, is a waste of time because we can't do that. We, we'll just make disciples of ourselves. We'll just reproduce ourselves, which would be sinful. But Jesus said, go and wait for the Holy Spirit. And Jesus sends the Holy Spirit. And we haven't gotten there yet, but we're going to get there to the day of Pentecost. And on the day of Pentecost, he pours out his spirit on all flesh. Young, old, rich, poor, male, female, prophet, priest, king, servant, slave. It didn't matter. The spirit has come and the spirit is poured out on all flesh because all flesh, all nations are to be discipled which means all nations need to hear and all nations need to preach and proclaim and make disciples. All nations need to be discipled and all the nations need to go out and make disciples. That means it wasn't just the Jews, it was the entire world. It was Jew and Gentile. And Jesus sends his disciples to Jerusalem and he commands them to wait until they're filled with the Holy Spirit and power from on high. They obeyed him, and on the day of Pentecost, God poured out his spirit on all flesh. And that same power from on high that filled the early church is the same power given to fill the church today. Still today, Jesus commands that we be endued with power from on high. What is that power? It is the same power, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. Now, some will tell you, and I have told people this before, and I've preached and I've taught this before, that the measure of that power is going to be seen in your speaking in tongues. Or the sign that you have that power is speaking in tongues or some other spiritual gift. I'm going to tell you the sign of that power is whether your life is controlled by the Spirit or not. You can speak in tongues all day long and not be in control, not be controlled by the Spirit of God. If you don't believe that, read the letter to the Corinthian church. They, were, they had gifts flowing everywhere, but they had no fruit. They had no love. They had no manifestation of the Spirit except in the gifts. And listen, God caused a donkey to speak Hebrew 
to the prophet one day. And if God can cause a donkey to speak Hebrew to a prophet, then God can, can cause you to speak in tongues and it does not mean that you are controlled by his spirit. It doesn't mean that you're living in submission to his spirit. Well, how will we know if we are living in submission to his spirit? Because the fruit of the spirit is going to come out of your life. All kinds of things may come out of your mouth, but if you're controlled by the spirit of God, they're going to be edifying, they're going to be loving, they're going to be consistent with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and goodness and faithfulness and self-control. So that power that Jesus wants us to be filled with is the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. Romans 8, 11 through 14. But if the, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the spirit of God... These are the sons of God. To be led by the Spirit of God is to not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It's to walk as Jesus walked. It's to love as Jesus loved. It's to have peace and joy and patience as Jesus did. Now, I know we're all still works in progress. But are we trending in the right direction? Are we looking to the Lord? Are we asking God? Are we seeking that for our lives or are we content and we say well you know God has to love me because he's love because he's God no he does not have to love you no he does not have to reveal himself to you no he does not have to open your comprehension to him no he does not have to do that but if he has then seek to be like him Seek to live like him. Seek to walk like him. Seek to be controlled by the Spirit even as Jesus was. The Holy Spirit fills us with God's power. It is the power to do his will, to do his work, and to make manifest his fruit. It's the difference between trying to dig a hole with a shovel and trying to dig one with a backhoe. If you live your life empowered under the Spirit's control, you will be equipped and much more able to walk according to the Spirit and the will of God than trying to do it in your own power because you can't. Jesus is not just a prophet or a teacher who left us good teachings. He is the anointed Son of God who gave himself for us and who gives to us his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our teacher the Holy Spirit is our guide into all truth. The Holy Spirit fills us with the power to do God's will. You cannot do God's will apart from His Spirit and His Spirit's power. You cannot do God's will out of your own will, out of your own resources. This is why we must be crucified with Christ, buried with Christ, and raised with Him. He must be the life of living in us. Our life cannot do those things that we read about in the Bible. He is the one that must animate us, empower us, and control us. We must... 
be filled with his spirit. Jesus is the Lord of glory who lives in us. And we live in him by the Holy Spirit. Christ in us is our hope of glory. And it is our hope of promise. Made possible by the Holy Spirit. His spirit of truth and grace lives in us because of Jesus and the finished work of the cross. That includes his resurrection and his ascension. And what, what grace to be called his redeemed. What grace to be called his child. What grace to be called his disciple. What grace to have a place in him and at his table. It is by grace and by grace alone that we have a place in him. It is by grace that we come to his table. It is a table of grace. It's a table of thanksgiving. And if we could just, if we could just understand how powerless we are apart from him, you didn't have power and the Holy Spirit gave you more power. You had nothing. You did not have life. You had no power. You had as much power as any corpse laying in any grave anywhere. That's how much power we have apart from him. When he reveals himself to us, when he opens our eyes and our understanding, when he fills us with his spirit, when he commands us, now through the power of his spirit, we have the ability to obey his commands, to do his will. That is only possible because of Jesus. So Christian, as you trust Jesus, as you know you have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, Come to the table and proclaim Jesus. Let's all stand. Jesus is speaking to us today by his Holy Spirit through his Holy Scripture. Hear, listen, and obey. Jesus is still opening our understanding today so that we will comprehend the truth the scripture, avail yourself to his word, be diligent to hide it in your heart and trust him to bring the increase in his season of time and in our hour of need. Jesus commands us today. We are specifically commanded to go preaching the kingdom and making disciples. This implies God's love working in our hearts. It implies our love for God and our love for one another as a witness to this world. Stop listening to the dulling lies of an escape plan and instead listen to the Spirit of God and the Word of God. Be busy about the business of the kingdom until the King returns to rule and to reign eternally on this earth. There is much work yet to be done. Be filled with the Holy Spirit and power from on high. Wait. Before you work, be filled before you work.
We are commanded to no longer be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. That means we are to no longer live controlled by the lust of this world, but we are to be filled and controlled by the Holy Spirit to do His will and to manifest His life as a witness to Him for His glory. Amen.